Welcome to the Inspiring Humans podcast. We are so happy to have you listening. My name is Stephanie Willard, and this podcast is a platform to showcase the incredible human spirit. On this podcast, I'll be interviewing people from all over the world and all walks of life who will be sharing with us their personal dreams and their dreams for the future. I believe that through coming together and creating community, incredible things are possible. In fact, anything is possible. And I hope that this podcast is a launch pad for creating the new world that we want to see that will have humanity free, thriving and living in their full self-expression. This episode is with Lucy Hardy, an Australian artist best known for her meticulously rendered ink drawings on cotton paper. Lucy is an incredible artist. If you have not seen her work, check it out. It's in the bio of this podcast episode. She has exhibited in Australia, the US and Europe and featured in numerous art and literacy publications worldwide. Lucy is also mentoring artists or just people in general that want to unleash their creativity and explore the creativity that is to flow through them. And I just think that's so valuable in today's society. So it's an incredible honour today, Lucy, to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Steph. Happy to be here. So I'd love to just start off by asking you to give a brief introduction of yourself and how you kind of came to being an artist that's based in Melbourne but has also taught in places like Vienna and uh, that is not only an artist yourself but supporting others to unleash their creativity. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, I grew up in a creative family so I've always been, you know, since a child I've always been drawing and painting and very creative and it was always something that was um, that I was kind of naturally gifted at. I guess, but um, growing up in in high school year, years, I sort of felt that that wasn't necessarily an option to pursue being an artist. You know, it was sort of that commonly held belief, you can't earn a living being an artist. So it was always there as part of my study and, and one of my favourite subjects. And um, then it was after high school, I did a bit different study in various areas and um, until I finally sort of made my way back to making art and really exploring that. So I had my first solo exhibition when I was 23 and this was as a self-taught artist. So I hadn't gone to to uni to study fine arts and um, it sold out on opening night. So it was just the most, one of the most amazing experiences I'd ever had. And I remember going to sleep that night thinking, oh, this is the best night I've ever had. And yeah, it was after then that I decided to really give it a go and really pursue it. Because I felt like it was something that others really appreciated, you know, what I gave. And yeah, so it was really the beginning of starting to pursue that more seriously. So then I went back to university and I studied um, a Bachelor of, of Illustration. And that was like a, a mix between graphic arts and fine arts. And then after that, when I left uni, I got represented by a gallery in Melbourne, um, Port Jackson Press, and then just went on to keep exhibiting and went from there. 
Amazing. And can you kind of talk us through, because it's a big leap to kind of be creating and then to have your first exhibition. How did that, can you remember, you know, how did you kind of go, I'm going to back myself and have an exhibition? Well, I'd been through a really transformative time in my early 20s. Um, it was after a, a long-term relationship breakup and my life really changed. I was kind of turned upside down. My world was kind of turned upside down. And I um, moved house and just a massive transformation on a person personally. And through that experience, I really went to art as my way of connecting and um, expressing myself. And so that was sort of my re-entry into art, if that made sense. It always been always been there, but I kind of left it to the wayside as I pursued other things. And so it's like these other aspects of my life or other structures of my life had sort of dropped away. And so then there was the art and I was just focusing on that. And then I just, uh, my sister said one day, I was, I was showing her my work and she said, Lou, it's time for the world to see your art. And I just committed to, okay, I'm going to go and look for a, a gallery and um, set up a solo show. So I just collated all my work together and went visiting various galleries in Melbourne and talking to people and showing them my work. And it was very nerve wracking. I was extremely nervous. And then I found this, an, an artist run gallery in Northcote in Melbourne. And yeah, she just was really supportive, the, the director of the gallery. And it, yeah, it went from there. So it was really my sister saying to me, Lou, it's time for the world to see your art. And I just felt very inspired to follow up on that. That's so incredible to hear that because so many people that I chat to say that it was someone else that, mm. you know, saw it in them and asked them to, you know, or called them to be or called them to step yeah. up and recognise the inner genius that really encouraged them to take the next step. And I just think, you know, that's so powerful. And, yeah, it kind of makes me think, how much do we do that for others? You know, how much does the individual really understand the value of that in helping others reach their dreams? Because, yeah, super, super powerful. And as you said, it sold out on the, did you say it sold out on before? On the, on the, the night the, that the show opened, it sold out, which amazing. is pretty unusual. <laughs> Unheard so, of as a first, yeah, yeah unreal. Everyone from my life, from all over the years, they all came to opening night and, yeah, it was just amazing. Um, yeah, so that was the beginning, really. So good. And just that, can you just share a little bit more about the feeling of, because I can't imagine anything more uh, rewarding or fulfilling than actually producing art and it being acknowledged and appreciated in that way and having all your family and friends yeah. and, what, you paint the picture of the night for us and what it looked like. Well, it was kind of like art had always, I'd, I'd kind of always been um, complimented for my skills in art over the years. Um, but it still sort of remained within the family and people who knew us. So it was just, oh, that's, you know, um, validated for that skill. And so... Yeah, so building all this work for this solo show, I was just fully focused and I wasn't thinking at all about how other people would respond. 
it was really just, I just need to get the work out there and just get this done. So I was really focused on the, the task at hand. And I wasn't even thinking about, oh, how are people going to receive this? Just, it's like I didn't have time. And so then I got to the opening and then all these people were showing up from my life and history and um, strangers as well. And I think my, my high school art teacher came <laughs> and, um, yeah, and so I was just, I'd done the work and there I was just hanging out with all these people and they were chatting about the work. And so I kind of got to see it through their eyes and hear their feedback because I'd kind of lived with it for so long. So it was just an extraordinarily um, validating experience. It was kind of like the first time it had been seen by a wider audience, if that makes sense. Amazing. Yeah, totally. And so uh, for those that may not have seen your art, can you describe exactly what, what your style is and how you came to find that style? Yeah. Um, so it's much easier to uh, show examples than describe. So I'll just give my website if people do want to have a look. It's lucyhardy.com. Um, but I would describe my work. It's evolved over the years, but my most recent work has been uh, detailed ink drawings on paper that take um, like hundreds of hours to create and so build the layers up with very fine sort of stippling and hatching the, the finest pen and um, it combines elements of realism and ele elements of the fantastical or the imaginary and focuses a lot on sort of portraiture that tell a story. Um, so I describe it as evocative. That's that's kind of my aim. Is that it evokes an experience in people? Um, so it's less sort of a conceptual exploration. Um, it's more that I want to evoke that sort of feeling and emotion of beauty and awe and mystery and wonderment. It has a bit of a dark edge as well. A little bit sort of gothic. So yeah. It's and like Sorry, what was that? Black and white, mainly. Black, black and white. white, yeah. They're absolutely incredible. Like, they're just um, so unbelievable. It's just, it is awe-inspiring. You just use the word awe and it's just takes you to kind of to another place. And as I'm looking at your pictures, I'm kind of wondering how, how on earth you came to do that. Like, is it, where do you take your inspiration from and how do you make them so realistic that the yeah. faces? So initially I was really um, teaching myself the techniques of my favourite artists. So I would learn from books and um, copy their techniques in my own drawings. So I was very much inspired by the aesthetic of various artists that I followed. Um, so some of those were Vali Myers. She, was an, she also created these very fine ink drawings and she was a Melbourne-based Melbourne artist and various artists like Harry Clark, who was an Irish stained glass artist and illustrator, um, Remedy Osvaro, who was a um, surrealist artist, and um, yeah, various artists. And I really just studied their techniques. So in a way, I sort of started with my inspirations and then developed my voice through that and, or developed my technique through that and then my own visual language sort of started to evolve over time, if that makes sense. So I wasn't necessarily 100% sure from the outset 
what my style was going to be. It just sort of grew naturally over time. And then as I looked back at it, I could uh, more consciously um, understand what my work was about and then use that consciously in future works. Yeah. So it started out more as an unconscious process. It was only in hindsight that I could see what it was about. That's Yeah, that's really magical because it's almost like you kind of got out of your own way and let it flow through you and then the conscious mind kind of caught up to understand yeah. Yeah, what was going on and how you could avail of it more and hone it in more, I suppose, to your style. So it, it did it evolve a lot over time? Um, yes. So it started out. It's, it started out sort of very flat, colourful illustrations in kind of this Art Nouveau style. So it was just straight from my imagination. I didn't use any photo references or work from, work from life at all. It was all just straight from my imagination. So it was very organic lines and um, very stylized. And then that just grew and I started to use photo references, so refer to photos I'd taken of different people or sourced from various places um, to bring in the more realistic elements, to bring a bit more depth into the work. Yeah. Amazing. So um, the, the photos of the, oh, I said photos because they look like photos, but they're not. Yeah. They're, your drawings, are they based on um, photo, that, like a complete photo of that person that you copy with the ink or is it parts or you said you kind of take inspiration from little bits and yeah. pieces? Yeah, the, the, the realistic elements in the work, which are primarily the bodies, the figures, the faces, hands, um, they're taken from photo reference. So sometimes I might have um, three, three photo references of a face or different faces and then I kind of make my own face from that. So I use the, the references so I can get that realism, so I can get the shadows accurate and the light accurate. Um, but just like applying makeup to a face, you can adjust things and small adjustments will kind of change the entire face. So um, that's how I would kind of make my own face out of what I was referring to. I don't quite know how to ask this question in a way that makes sense, but when I look at your art, it just... To me, it's kind of like it's so unique and so perfect in some ways that it's been almost channeled or it's come from, you know, there's something extra that is in your artwork. What's your what's your kind of sense or what's your understanding of how that happened? Like, do you feel like you're guided in what you create? Um, well, that's a big question, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I feel like... Um, Sometimes I feel nervous talking about that kind of thing because I feel like words are limiting in how I describe that and it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Um, yeah, all I can say is the experience being in the studio is kind of just, it can just be like flow or um, sometimes ecstatic even. And it's like I lose my mind. So time can, can go by like that. And it's, it's like I, yeah, I'm sure lots of artists and creative people have talked about this. Um, so I do feel very connected and very full of energy when I'm creating. And so there is that, that inspiration. And sometimes I'll start out with a clear idea and it may just be a conceptual idea in my mind. Um, and then as I'm going, 
it's just, oh, of course, that's the next step. Oh, I'll put this in. And it's just obvious. The next step becomes obvious. Um, so it, def it definitely feels like a religious experience sometimes, <laughs> even though I'm not religious. But Yeah, I think that's an amazing way to capture. I mean, there's so much in what you just said about losing your mind, you know, because that's what brings in sometimes the fear, doubts and worries that limit all of us in whatever we're doing. So I think that is extremely powerful, you know, that sort of, and, and you're filled with energy. I can really relate to that. And also just mentioning that it's the next step becomes uh, obvious. I just feel like in all of our lives, you know, all of our lives are a masterpiece and sometimes, you know, we can get a little bit caught up, but it's just the next step and the next step and the next inspired action yeah. or idea, you know, if you just kind of act on that, it, it then, you know, that is the path that shows you the path. And I just, I think, you know, you've just captured that in an art piece, which I think is incredible that, yeah, the next step kind of becomes known as your inflow and as your, and I just wanted to ask, is there anything in particular you kind of do or you used to do to get in flow, like to get out of your mind and into flow? Yeah, for me, it's always been structure has been really supportive for me. So um, by that, I mean having a dedicated space for creating. So I've got my studio, which is just for making art. Um, I have, you know, set times that I'm in the studio. So having these structures helps me. Um, it kind of facilitates the flow for me. Um, having my music on, cup of tea, <laughs> snacks, chocolate. <laughs> um, so I'm just there and I'm just in this beautiful space or this um, dedicated space and then just just doing the work so i don't really i don't wait for inspiration i'm very much you know i sit down at 9 a.m or 10 a.m or you know and just start sketching and because i feel like i have an abundance of ideas and inspiration so i'm not really stuck for that um and it's just about sitting down and doing the work and the inspiration comes yeah unreal and I'm super curious when you're um kind of creating do you get different ideas that drop in of you know unrelated ideas about different things or is it very much kind of full focus on the the creative piece mm, um yeah sometimes there can be multiple things going on so I could be sitting down and sketching and as I'm just sketching it's some, something about having the pencil to paper that allows for new ideas to come in. So if I were to just sit there and think, hmm, what am I going to draw? It just wouldn't happen so easily. So it's just the, the act of drawing and sort of scribbling subcon subconscious things that ideas start to emerge. So I'll either write them down or just keep sketching new ideas. Um, and then some, you know, sometimes insights will come about various other areas in my life as well. Something about just being in that concentrated flow that allows for other sort of clarity to come in about other aspects of my life. Yeah. Well, I love that because it's almost like, you know, what I what I just heard from what you shared was inaction. You know, inaction, more ideas come. You're kind of, mm -hmm. you're not sitting there waiting for inspiration to come to you. You kind of start and then, which, yeah, I think is a really key message yeah absolutely yeah. And, and more recently um, I've had the experience of images just just coming to me just not fully formed but I just have a flash of 
the whole image. I'll just be walking down the street and suddenly I'll just have this flash of this image. And it's almost just um, responding to what's been given to me. I'm going, okay, yep, I'll do that. <laughs> um, whereas before it used to be more that my mind was starting with the images and then the inspiration would somehow fit into that. Whereas now it's like receiving the image and putting it onto paper. That's yeah. phenomenal. That's that's super magical, actually. It's um, yeah, that's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal thing to to hear. And yeah. I think you know we're all receiving messages all the time, and it's how much we can kind of hear them, yeah. you know, and go with them. Yeah. And so, are they all kind of related to? Are they all a similar? Do you get kind of a sense or a message with those, or is it just more of a visual representation? It's a visual and it's a feeling. So um, it might be a simple image that comes to mind, but there will just be that sense of um, power and there's lots of negative connotations with power. But by that I mean because um, the aim is always to help people feel moved and touched and there's power in that. So it's kind of the, the image has a feeling of um, I just get that feeling through the image. Yeah. So the, image, the image, if it doesn't capture that, then it's not working. So even if it's well done or well sort of constructed um, or a good idea, if it's not sort of moving and inspiring or um, doesn't help people feel touched, and then it's I've got to keep working at it until it until it does or change something. Yeah. Amazing. And so for listeners that might be kind of just exploring their creativity or trying to find a style, um, a bit like myself at the moment, or, you know, really lit up by art, um, but don't quite know where to start. I know that you do one-on-one -on -one mentoring, which I think is totally brilliant and so useful to people in that space to, you know, have someone who's been doing it for years, help them find their feet and find their flow and their style. Um, what would you kind of suggest to people that are in that space? And I'd love you to share a little bit about your mentoring program. Yeah. So the mentoring I offer is one-on-one. Is -on -one and I started it during lockdown last year. So um, it's continued online via Zoom. And um, so it's working with individuals to support them in whatever creative goals they may have. So it varies depending on the person and where they're at in their skill levels or, or where they want to go with their art. Some are more just wanting to enjoy it more and others are sort of wanting to go more commercial. Um, so what I would suggest for someone starting out and exploring and wondering where to go, um, I would, first of all, I'll just say that's completely natural and normal. And I found over the years that in the beginning, it's very much about trying all these different things. And it's not about really having um, sort of focusing on one thing just yet. Often it's you've got to try multiple things before you sort of find your, what you're excited about. So, or themes within your experiments where you realize, oh, this is what I'm about. Like you said before um, we started, you were saying you've been exploring painting and how you love the light and the colour in your imagery when you've got them all together. So that's exactly what starts to happen is people start trying these different things and different styles inspired by different artists 
and they think, oh, I don't know what I'm about because I love all these different things. Um, but then later on, you, you'll find that as you put them together, there'll be these common threads. Um, so it may be common sort of stylistic threads. So for example, a loose abstract style or, you know, yeah, a loose sort of abstract style and very colourful. That, that may be the obvious link. Or it could be a thematic link. So it could be different styles, but the theme is, um, could be uh, playfulness and fun and joy, or it could be, you know, politi exploring political issues or, you know. So you'll find that over time, the more you create, and then bring that work together, you will find the common threads, which is you as an artist, your voice, you know? And so it's just the time to create and to build that. In the beginning, you don't know. You don't know who you are as an artist. You don't know what you're doing. You're just doing what you like and it becomes clearer over time. Yeah. Do you have any stories that you can share with us of someone's journey that you've been working with and how you've seen them really step into their creativity? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's more this theme overall that I found with students. Um, so I teach illustration as well and, and do the mentoring. But what I've noticed is one thing that stands out is um, students who think they don't have a style or don't have a thing or they've got to change, they've got to become more detail-oriented or they've got to loosen up, you know, um, what I've found is that it's just helping them see that they already do have style, a style and they already do have gifts. And it's about amplifying what they're strong at, not, not trying to reject that and try and be the opposite of what they are, you know? So I'm a detail-oriented person. I'm just, that's just how I'm wired. Whereas some people are very abstract and quick and will do a painting in, you know, two hours, whereas I'll spend six hours drawing cheek. So it's um, people who they just they're not aware that they already have something going on and so what's exciting for me is helping them see what they're already strong at and the voice that they already have yeah incredible I saw you totally light up when you were talking about that I'm sure you'd be a fantastic teacher you know being able to draw that out in people and yeah it's what we were talking about before it's so powerful to be able to have someone else see that in you when yeah. you maybe don't necessarily see it in yourself yet yeah yes. and then when they do see it it's so amazing because mm. people can be so hard on themselves they're going oh I should be like this I keep doing it like this you know and when they go oh wow oh my god oh yeah I see that now and see something, a strength that can be really built on and optimised and, you know, what's the next level to that? What's the next level to what you're naturally good at? Yeah. Amazing. And what other trends have you seen? What else have you learned from your students? Um, really good question. Oh, one very humbling thing is, has been, and I haven't been expecting this, but as a teacher, it can be tempting to... Um, when students come with you, come to you with concepts, so initial sort of concept roughs or sketches, and they're telling you about their idea for their final piece, because often there's this process of you coming up with ideas and brainstorming, 
and then you communicate that to your lecturer, um, communicate that to me, and then you go on to more finalized roughs. So they may be color roughs, and then you create the final image. Um, and it's been very humbling for me to, to realize that often these people, they have their vision and I just don't see it. So I, I regard myself as, as very, very imaginative. But when someone else is communicating their vision to me, I get an idea in my head, but it's not, I can't see what they see. And so often they'll come to me with the final image and I'll go, wow, I just, I underestimated you, you know, or I, um, I would not have been able to see this that you were communicating to me. I just didn't get it fully. And so it's been really humbling to experience that and to remind myself that um, everyone has a vision and that's in art and life and I'm just not going to see that. Even though I'm very creative, I'm not going to see the vision you have for your life. And so it's about trusting in that. I don't know if that makes sense. That totally makes sense and it reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend this morning that I went for a walk with because she asked me a question, you know, do you believe that when you've got a big vision you should share it a lot with others? Mm. And I thought that was such an interesting question and I, I, I'm someone who shares with everybody, you know, as soon as I get an mm. idea or a vision and I used to do that a lot and I found with a recent vision that I've had, my gut feeling has been to first consolidated in my own mind and you know get a bit clearer on it it's like a little seed that you kind of plant and is so delicate and can be trampled on by someone who doesn't quite see it the way you do I think we, we kind of get these visions for a reason and I kind of see it as you know god-given visions or direct from source you know where we're downloading these visions from somewhere and they're meant to come to us you know we've all got different functions and purposes in life and it, yeah, so it was such an interesting question and it totally relates to what you've just shared with us because I think um, sometimes, you know, other people are not us so they can't necessarily see our vision the way we see it or sense it even. So if we're, and I used to do this a lot with, you know, when I started Seven Women, the charity, ask people for advice outside of myself that I thought were wiser, you know, mm -hmm. more lived experience, more, and some they'd never been to Nepal they'd never met the women that I met they didn't quite have the same enthusiasm and yeah so I just I think sometimes you know for you to understand that and be aware of that with your students is so amazing because it means that you can encourage them even if you don't see their vision trusting that it will be perfect you know in the end the end outcome and you can you know just to guide them and encourage them where you can but it doesn't matter if you don't necessarily see their vision it's um, it will evolve the way it does, I think, is, is a really interesting thing to mention. Yeah, and it can be so easy as it, in that teacher role to um, just feel this natural urge to direct in certain ways or um, to question what they're presenting. And so I'm just learning, yeah, just it's it just happens, it keeps happening and um, it's very humbling. It's like these people, these unassuming and often artists are so quiet and shy and my students <laughs> tend to be, not always, but and you just don't see what's going on inside and what they're what they envisage. Um, yeah, so it's exciting. 
Amazing. And so one of the final questions is imposter syndrome. Like I know a lot of people experience that and talk about that when they begin. And it was amazing to hear your kind of beginning journey of having the gallery and displaying your items. But when you started, when you had the idea to, to mentor and to teach, is that something that kind of came to you or did you have any, um, you know, I know a lot of people kind of feel like, what do I have to teach or how am I going to teach others? Is that something that affected you or did it kind of come naturally? Um, it was definitely a challenge in the beginning. So I had the inspiration at the end when I was studying uni, my last final year, I had this inspiration to teach workshops. So I just, I just started and I remember it was a real challenge for me to explain to other people or out loud how I draw it was never something I needed to, I'd had to articulate in the past. So it was a process of just learning how to articulate that. And often I wouldn't know until I actually just demonstrated it for them. Because I would, they would say, how do you do this? And I go, ah, just give me the pencil. Let me do it. Okay, this is how I do it. You know, I just didn't have the language for it. So that was a challenge. And also, you know, I'm sure with, you know, others who've, who've done a certain thing for a long time that maybe you don't realise how much you actually know. And I was like that too. I didn't think, oh, this is, what's this? How does this really make a difference? And Or just um, surely people know this or this is easy, you know. And, and then realising actually, yeah, there's more that I know that I can pass on than I realise because I feel like I'm, there's always more to learn. And so I'm kind of, I'm like that. I, I see the, what's missing in my own skill set and my own knowledge. And sometimes that's at the um, expense of seeing what I actually have developed or do know. And, you know, I love what you mentioned before about losing your mind to kind of let, the, let, let it flow through you. And I think art, especially in the beginning, maybe is very much about getting out of your own way to explore and I just wanted to ask you about that as a teacher as an art teacher um, or and a mentor in art how have you seen the psychology kind of get into people's way and or you know then be able to kind of overcome that what's the process of that and how do you as a teacher really facilitate that happening yeah that is something that I have encountered in my running workshops and also working with people one-on-one -on -one, um, just in a classroom setting is, you know, it can be easy to, you have a creative idea and you're inspired and you're excited to do it. And then you inevitably come up with roadblocks or sort of um, limitations in how you can interpret what's in your mind. And, and that can really stop people and people go, oh, I'm just done. I, I can't do this anymore. I've got to go. And so I'm, I'm realising it's as much a psychological game as it is a technical game. Um, and so what I now, I, I even start my workshops by saying this may likely happen. You'll come to a point where you feel stuck, that you don't have the skills, that it doesn't look right, and you just want to give up and go home. So I actually, you know, say to people, expect this and it's okay. It's part of the journey. Um, so it's about helping people feel okay with the frustration or not knowing what to do next. And that in that, you know, that's fine. You're frustrated. You don't know what to do. That's awesome. <laughs> Just accept it. That's fine. Be frustrated. 
and then then we can go from there. It's like How people, people go, I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't be stuck. I sh it should be great. Mm -hmm. I should get what you're, you're telling me. You're, you're giving me easy instruction, but I'm not getting it right. And, and then they just give up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that because art is such a tool for self-development as well. And I think preempting it, as you just said, is so valuable because it allows people, gives permission for people to kind of go, okay, that's just the mind getting in the way. I'm going to, you know, persist because we all have those things come up. And I remember um, you reminded me of a, an art teacher in Sydney. We used to holiday in um, Manly and there was an eccentric art teacher called Patrick and I did a few classes with him and he used to say, you've got 30 seconds left to do that patch over there and he'd pull the canvas from underneath me if I, if I didn't do it in time. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was such an like an awakening for me because I was like, oh my goodness, like the power of the mind that made me lose my mind and just kind of go, go with it, you know, just whatever, just kind of because I had to rush, I wasn't critical and I wasn't judging myself, I was just doing it, and it was like, oh my goodness, I love this. It is just given me, you know, the answer to control the thoughts in my mind and. If you know, if you can see thoughts as a tool to encourage yourself and to support yourself to actually go into it, then it's you know why wouldn't you use them as a tool to support yourself if if you can if you have that awareness? So it's um, art's been so much pleasurable since you know more pleasurable since that because you know I think we we all have that inner critic at different intensities and levels at different times, and it's just recognizing that that is not going to serve us and choosing to have different thoughts and, you know, supporting us. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I often think of Patrick because I think art is an incredible uh, tool for self-development and self-awareness because it's such a metaphor for life in general and what we allow to stop us or limit us from, yeah, achieving our dreams. And as you said, first it comes as an inspired idea or mm. with that energy around it. And then, you know, the more you can kind of just recognise that, oh, okay, I'm feeling like this, but that's okay, keep going, or, you know, I'm going to choose not to let that limit me, um, the better. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. And everyone has their, has their different recipe of creating. So the things that I've shared about, you know, structure really helps facilitate my creating. Um, for others, it may be something completely different. So I'm aware of that as well. Um, like you said, you get to choose your thoughts. You just choose something different. Whereas, yeah, every person will have their sort of success strategy. <laughs> so for me, it's just if I, if I have a student really hard on themselves, it's acceptance. Just like mm -hmm. you're being hard on yourself. It's frustrating right now. That's okay. Instead of trying to stop them feel that, it's just acknowledge what's there and then let's move on to the next thing. So... Whereas others can just, they'll just change their focus. They'll just change their story, you know, and they do it easily um, or just push through, you know. So everyone's different. Yeah. Amazing. Um, thanks so much, Lucy. That's so interesting to hear, you know, the story. I've never actually interviewed an artist before and heard the process in the way that you've shared with us. And I just think it's fascinating because, you know, I think we all, you know, have our own individual ways of doing things. And sometimes we don't realise that everyone's hard on themselves or it's just mm. you know, a normal process of um, of creating and, step, you know, stepping into that kind of flow and, and creating something. So it's, yeah, it's very liberating to hear that others 
others have that too. And um, and also just you know the process of um, of you stepping into being an artist in a society that doesn't always you know put massive value on art or or creations. I just think I really admire you actually not only because your art is phenomenal but also you know I can't think of anything more rewarding than actually creating something and then having people buy it and having you know a sold out first exhibition I mean unbelievable so um, thanks so much for sharing your journey and I'm sure the listeners um, of this Inspiring Humans podcast will get so much out of it too. Thank you Steph Um, and if anyone does want to find out more about mentoring or is interested or has a friend who's looking for support you can always jump on my website all the information's there about what I offer and my history and, and what I bring Um, yeah, so people are welcome to get in touch if they want to. Thanks for listening to our Inspiring Humans podcast and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any inspiring human in mind that you would like to nominate, please reach out and let us know. Also, you're very welcome to become part of our Facebook group called Inspiring Humans where you can connect with incredible people from around the globe. Uh, Thirdly, if you are interested in being part of a global network, we have an incredible community at sevencontinentscouncil.com where we hold events, programs and many different initiatives that you can be involved in. Thank you and see you again soon.